With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Gentlemen, uh, it doesn't appear that our intro song is working too well. Sorry about that. It is our first show back in about two years, guys. Thank you so much for being here. I'm here with my co-host, Chuck Thomas. Man, Chuck, thank you so much for being on this ride with us, brother. Oh, yeah, man. It's good to be here. Nice uh, digging the new, the new digs. Feels uh, familiar, but strange at the same time. So uh, we have a uh, a great show for you planned out this first evening. Uh, Kelly McGuire, the Trop Rock uh, extraordinaire, is on board as well. Um, and we also have Divine Martyr coming up at the end of the show. Uh, we got a lot more in store as well. Uh, just a quick uh, quick word about our sponsor, Rosenfeld Dental Associates, located at 1095 Inman Avenue in Edison, New Jersey. Go rock your smile with the rock doc, Dave Rosenfeld. Nominated one of the top dentists in 2023 for New Jersey. Mentioned C.T. McManus or Rock and Roll Union. You'll get a great discount upon booking your first appointment there. Also, a big shout out to Mike Collins uh, of uh, Machines of Penalty. Really, really excited to announce that tomorrow, or not tomorrow night, but Saturday night at the Paul's Pearl Moose Lodge, it will be Mike Collins' birthday bash. Uh, you'll see Lords of Asgard, Dreadstar, Machines of Penalty, Starscream, and Pistol Razor. Guys, five bands for 10 bucks. You cannot beat it. Doors open at 7.30, and tickets can be uh, gotten on site. Also, a couple words about our next guest coming up. Man, I am excited to talk talk to him. I'm a big parrothead. I am a big tra- And uh, this gentleman resides in Texas, man. I uh, just got done playing Meeting of the Minds on the Gulf Shores. This guy's played all over the world. And his last album, Destiny and Fate, it's been a little while for Kelly, man, but we're going to go ahead and welcome him on. Kelly, thank you so much, brother. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Great to be here. Hey, man. Thank, hey, thank you, you going, so man? much for being here, man. Uh, I also wanted to introduce wow. you to my co-host, Chuck Thomas. Hi, Chuck. Nice to meet you, Kelly. Uh, How are you? And I'm working on that new CD thing. I've had a little dry spell. You're right. But this year has been a good year. I've written a bunch. I actually have most of the new CD written. So I'm hoping to have one out early next year. Nice. Nice. Now, I I had a couple questions um, about Meeting of the Minds. I know you just played there. They changed the location. This, This was the first year for that. Any thoughts on the change of location? Well, anytime you compare things, there's going to be, you know, good and bad. But if you had never been to, if you'd never been to Key West for Meeting of the Minds, you would have thought going to Meeting of the Minds in Gulf Shores was the greatest thing in the world. But you can't help but do comparisons. Uh, I think there was a lot of positives and pluses about it. And it was definitely less expensive for people to travel to. And, uh, the talent, the music was all as good and the same. There just wasn't the concentration, probably, of bars and venues like there is in Key West. But other than that, you know, I think it was successful, and I enjoyed it. Man, um, so as far as 
if opera, it feels like it's burst and forth. Jimmy, uh, September 1st. And, uh, like, was that a, I'm, I'm sure that was something that covered the whole meeting of the minds. Well, there was. I mean, there was a lot of emotion attached to the absence of him in the world. And especially right there in Gulf Shores, his, uh, uh, Lucy has the restaurant there, uh, Lulu's, and yep. uh, big place, and and it, there's a lot of history with him around that area as well as Key West. So, just there was a huge loss felt by a lot of people. But you know, I can't think of a single, I can't think of anybody that's had such a huge impact on people's lifestyles. There are bigger, yeah. many bigger stars and well-known people than than Jimmy Buffett, but I can't think of many that have had the impact he has had on their lifestyle. Yeah, um, it, it's been crazy. Chuck, did you have any questions for Kelly? Chuck? <laughs> we may have lost Chuck. Uh, sorry well, about that, Kelly. It's dark out there. You know, maybe he'll get a flashlight. <laughs> But um, I wanted to ask you, there, there seems to be a lot of um, a lot of division right now. I mean, I remember last week they, they did the CMAs. Um, this, and I'm only asking you this because I know you're as much a parrot head as I am, if not more. Um, there was a lot of disagreement on the CMAs, the tribute, this, that, and the other. Any thoughts on the, uh, the presentation of that during the CMAs? No, I don't really have a uh... – I think it was great that they honored him. You know, he was kind of shunned from Nashville for a long time. Yeah. He didn't want yep. to play the game. And then Alan Jackson did that song with him, and all of a sudden he's welcome in Nashville and a big thing there. So that's fine. Uh, yeah. But, but I think it was As great that they gave him a tribute. And yeah, I, I agree. And it wasn't just a passing slide of immemorial or whatever that they actually gave him a few minutes up there was a big deal. Um, I wanted to ask you, Kelly, as far as Trop Rock is concerned, um, how do you feel about the movement? I mean, it's it's. I, I tell everybody that Trop Rock is kind of like the punk movement on the beach. It, it, it kind of just reminds me of that. It reminds me of like the underground type of deal, but it's in people's backyards. It's on the beaches. It, it, it's it sort of is because it's most of us are not what you would call mainstream, as in on major radio or media. Right. So we're kind of the underground current that's. Uh, been we're the legacy of Jimmy Buffett, uh, although you know many of us sometimes bristle a little bit at the term because we write other things other than songs about beaches and boats and oceans and islands. Right, right. But that's what that's what I'm known for. But I write all kinds of music, and so I guess that was the best way to describe the kind of music that Jimmy Buffett promoted and and basically instilled into everybody. That escapism, I call it Buffett-esque sort of yeah. thing. Now, is there a drive, would you say, within the drop rock community as far as try? I mean, there, there's big artists that are getting known, obviously. I mean, we have uh, Kenny Chesney is well known for following that kind of thing. Um, Zach Brown Alan Jackson, but even more so than that, there there seems to be even more popularity gaining on people like the Whelan brothers. Is there a is there a feeling within the trop rock community to kind of elevate it and get it kind of out well, of that I, uh, out of that like backdoor kind of thing? I I think they all kind of uh, I think everybody kind of feels like. Well, it's going to – we as independents, that's, that's what I meant about we're not mainstream like on right, the charts, right. Kenny Chesney and those guys. So our trop rock movement is certainly different than what you would consider them as trop rock. Uh, right. 
you know, Kenny, Kenny's country, Zach's country, Jimmy was always known as Rock. That's where he was filed in, yeah. the, in the CD section. Uh, so these labels get kind of confusing sometimes. Uh, but the, the biggest thing I would say that attaches to Trop Rock is that we're independent artists that many, most of us were influenced by Jimmy Buffett. I think that would be the best way to say it. And, gotcha. and we, we write at least some songs about tiki bars and beaches. Yeah. Now, as far as the backyard, which I think is fantastic, I love the idea of going into a backyard, BYOB, all the money goes to the performers, and I think that is an excellent way to stay stay low-key, but also to have that intimate connection with people. Do you think um, any idea as far as when going through those things, is that something that Trop Rock would give up at all, ever, to kind of turn it in for bigger arenas or more people or things along those lines? Oh, I would like to be a real positive gung-ho person and say, yeah, that's going to happen, but I don't see that happening. It will happen with the people like Zach and Kenny, uh, those guys, but most of us that do it, we're we're playing to a smaller audience, and we're not going to be big and mainstream, and, you know, there's some advantages in that. Uh, I couldn't be happier playing to 30 people that are listening to every word at one of my house concerts, I wouldn't be any happier, I don't think, playing to 10,000 people. Maybe not as happy. The only difference would be financial. Yes, I hear you. Fame and financial. Now, you know, and let's talk about some of your shows, some of your uh, the locations that you've been. I look at a lot of you Trop Rock, uh, you Trop Rock guys, the musicians, and there, there's quite a few of us that kind of envy where you guys get to play and the places that you see. And as far as this, me being a parrot head, I've, I've seen Jimmy live 26 times. So that kind of got me into the trap rock circles was let's talk about some of the places that you've seen, some of the places that you've been. And uh, can you tell us any of those stories, favorite places to play well, or most unique? As a songwriter, just because I'm laying in a hammock on a beach with my eyes closed doesn't mean I'm not working. Yep. I see that. <laughs> As a songwriter, you can get away with that. You say, oh, <laughs> your eyes are closed. You could still be working. And no, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Uh, Belize is something I stumbled into 17 years ago or so. I was invited. Uh, I had been on a – some kind of, some awards, Texas Awards, Music Awards website, and the entertainment director, Time, was a very big, famous beach bar. Uh, he found me on this site and called me out of the blue, and I didn't even know where Belize was. But next thing you know, I'm getting off of a puddle jumper on the island <laughs> of Ambergris Key in San Pedro and driving in a golf cart on a sandy beach road down to where I'm staying and I'm thinking this is this is amazing beautiful turquoise water and so most of the shows I do around the country are ticketed shows when I went gotcha. to Belize I, I played this place and it was a great venue for me because I did the early show before the band started at nine and it was a mature crowd that liked the stories and the the lyrics the poetry appreciated that and my fan base grew considerably because it was an open-to-the-public shows uh, as opposed to most of the things we do, which, say, when we go to Isla Mujeres, Mexico, a little island off of Cancun we go to every year, uh, Those are it's a ticketed event show. Well, so we bring the people from the states down there, or they come right. down there, whereas in Belize I chose to work out a – financial arrangement with the venues that that if they could make money and I was happy with the money then it wouldn't be a closed concert and in the in the 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 result of that was next thing you know I'm playing in Cody Wyoming and Boise Idaho and New Jersey and playing all over the country doing these house concerts because 
Right. You know, house concerts basically started in the folk world. And because I didn't come up through the folk alliance and Kerrville and some of the folk uh, venues and events and festivals, I, I actually couldn't get into any of the house concerts in folk world. And I knew when I got when I became a songwriter, I knew I didn't really want to play bars. Uh, and so I decided, well, if I can't get into those house concerts, I'll just start my own. And that was 20 years ago. And, and in Parrothead world, they didn't really exist. And I just I said, well, no, I don't want to do your, your local bar happy hour, but I will come and do a house concert. And enough people said, right. well, what is that? And I told them, and they said, well, we could do that. So that's how I ended up doing, being able to do house concerts all over the country. Now, let me ask you, Kelly, as far as it's got, it's got to get tough just with doing house concerts to kind of pay the bills, to get uh, to exist off of that. Do you do anything aside from music to kind of do that, or is music the well, number one thing? Yes and no. Uh, I've I've done a few other things, from owning art galleries to uh, some other things. But basically, music has been my main income. Although I got back into my art again during COVID, and that's a pretty big part of my financial income now. Not quite as much as gotcha. music, but it, it will it will grow to it. But the the deal with house concerts is what I figured out years ago. I mean, I, I started out in a chain of pizza places a long, long, a few lifetimes ago, and I got really lucky. Next thing you know, I was working for this chain of pizza places in Oklahoma, Texas, and Missouri for 10 years, five nights a week, regular regular gig. I mean, I was booked at least four weeks, if not eight weeks in each place, and and so uh, I, I, I wasn't a songwriter back then, and I was... I just got burned out after 20 years of doing the one-man band thing, and I quit playing music. And then I started messing around with music at home for fun, and that's when I started writing songs. So I got back into it again, and I knew I needed to play venues where people listened because if they don't hear the lyrics, they're not going to buy the CDs. So to answer your question money-wise, bars don't really make any more money than they did 40 years ago. Uh, you know, proportionally, they don't really make any more money. So they don't really pay the music that much more. You know, it, right. to be a businessman, if, if they spend $100 on music for that night, they they have to make $300 more than they would make without that singer there right. to, be, to break even, to make it worthwhile for them. So business-wise, they can only afford so much. And that's where the ticketed thing comes in, and that's where the house concerts come in. So, yes, if you work your tours right, and, of course, travel has gotten expensive, but if I work my tours right, it's profitable. I'll never be rich, but uh, it's more profitable than playing in bars and way more rewarding because I I love what I do now. Gotcha. And when I, when I quit playing music in about, oh, late – 90s or so, uh, burned out on it. I, I hated it. I didn't want to play, and was so now I really enjoy 98 percent of every show I do. I really enjoy and love, and the money is decent and, and it ranges, you know. But uh, you know, for example, you know, uh, my wife probably makes three times the money that I make, uh, but. Yeah, the, the financial thing is has always been an issue in in the arts, uh, yeah. or in sports probably. I mean, look how many kids want to be basketball, NBA basketball stars, yeah. or how many kids want to be rock stars, or if they want to be professional gamers or skateboarders. Well, that's all great to have those dreams, but it's really tough to make money in entertainment yeah. and arts because only one out of every ten thousand maybe makes it. Especially now, it feels like within this country, at least, I, I can't speak for the rest of the free world, but in this country, it feels like there's a lack of attention anymore. That there, It's getting harder and harder to get people's attention and bring it over to music and arts and things along those lines. 
since you've had the ability to travel to other locations, is it better elsewhere than it is here? Well, yes and no. Uh, let's, for example, if I go to Belize, it's an island, a small island there, and so there's less to do on the island. So when you're there, it's an event. It's something for them to come and see and do. Whereas, right. typically, people are just bombarded with entertainment, and they they don't even really have to leave their house to go see it. Yep. Uh, so I don't know what the nature. I don't know what the future of entertainment is going to be when there's generations that really kind of want to live their life on their devices and virtually or watch things on videos or. Uh, it's hard to say how that's going to develop. Now, with the holidays coming in, how what does your winter schedule look like? Well, I'll be in uh, probably uh, working on that actually today. I will probably go to Arizona and on down to Mexico and then up into Colorado for a couple of shows in January, first half of January. And then uh, – and then the end of January, I'm in Belize on the island for a couple of weeks, and I'll be in Florida. So m most of the time, I'm going south, but I sometimes run up to Minneapolis and, and do several shows on the way up there. They're, of course, indoor shows, which most house concerts are usually outdoor shows backyard type things some are in community centers or banquet rooms kind of thing you can you can do that in a, any kind of banquet room you can have a little concert but uh, right so i'm not afraid to run up they make fun of me because why in the world would you want to go to minneapolis in january well i don't know i i make a run up there and if i do three or four shows between houston and minneapolis and back uh i'm fine with that man uh, so I wanted to uh, ask, we're, we're getting ready to play one of your songs, Blame It On Buffett, which is honestly, Kelly, one of my favorite, favorite songs, just because I feel everything that you say in that. Do you remember writing that at all? Could you give us any kind of uh, input <laughs> to that song? Absolutely, I do. It was kind of funny. Back before cell phones, I had a you know, cordless phone that only reaches so far, and I was in a really nice apartment complex here south of Houston, and my little portable phone would just barely reach down at the pool. I could be down there and, and yeah. still monitoring my phone and my business. Well, in January, some you know, we're not in the water, but there's a lot of times it's a really warm, sunny day in Houston, and you may be laying out in the sun uh, enjoying it, and that's the days I used to call my friends up north and, and tease them, you know, in Minneapolis and Philadelphia, hey, what are you all doing? Oh, we're shoveling snow. What are, what are you doing? Yeah, that's our area, Kelly. That's where I'm from. I know. I I, I do shows <laughs> of dear friends in Lansdale and uh, over near uh, uh, Allentown. No, uh, New Jersey. Yes, where did sir. I just go? Well, that... I was just somewhere up there around Brick. Um, gotcha. Anyway, I I used to I call and torment my friends up north. Well, one day I was doing that, and I was out there, and I was kind of working on something else, but my brain actually was working on this other song, and I gave it some attention, and next thing you know, it's the story of my life, Blame It on Buffett. It, it's how I heard him in the 70s and, and fell in love with his whole whole vibe, let alone I, I was really interested in sailing and boats. And uh, so I wrote this song, and it pretty well sums up the story of my life, how I ended up moving from the Midwest in Missouri down to the Gulf Coast of Texas, learning how to sail, learning how to write songs, and called, you know, blame it on Buffett. Man, that's fantastic. Kelly, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, best of luck to your travels, and the uh, hopefully you have a great Thanksgiving next week, my friend. Well, I hope so. Gosh, is that here already? You believe it? Next week? Oh, my gosh, no. Man. I can't. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hopefully we can do this again, Kelly. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. See ya.
Chuck, are you with us? Chuck. I don't know what happened to Chuck, guys, but the one beautiful thing that comes out of doing music, being back on the VOC Nation, being here, and I'm very excited to be here, is that I can start playing music again, man. I wasn't able to do that over on the the streaming show, but now I'm back here. Uh, I'd also like to talk to you guys a little bit about December 9th is the Rock and Roll Union Christmas party. The annual Christmas party for Rock and Roll Union is a fun time. We bring out the lovely Dean. She does shop roulette with us, guys. If you haven't seen it before, you want to you want to get there and see that because it is a good time. Um, Bear with me for one second, guys. I am having a little bit of an issue. Um, let me see who is on the bat line. Thanks for calling Rock and Roll Union. Who are we talking to? Hey, this is Mark from Divine Martyrs. Hey, Mark. How are you, my friend? Uh, I didn't get a right, chance cool. to introduce you the way that I wanted to, but uh, Mark, thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, 
What's funny is I was listening to some of your music, and it, it blew me away because my church had been singing the, the newest one that you guys put out. And it's it's wild to me where some people get – where worship teams get their music from and how on top of things some of them are. But, uh, how, Mark, could you introduce yourselves to our listeners and let them know a little bit about Divine Martyr? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we are a symphonic metal band with a little bit of power metal and prog influence. Um, that as as he as you just pointed out, we uh, are in the we would say the Christian. Um, I don't want to say philosophy, but we we have a Christian message and definitely an encouragement message. Um, but we're not technically a praise band. Um, we're all heavily influenced by bands in Europe, such as Nightwish and Camelot, and then some bands over here on the state side like Symphony X and Dream Theater. Uh, so we uh, kind of put all that together as our influence, and we write music generally just to uh, encourage people and, and lift them out of some dark places. I'll tell you, I found you guys on – well, thanks, thanks, big thanks to Christina Avila. But I also found you guys on um, Spotify. And although once you shuffle some things, some people will come up. Divine Martyr was one of them for me, thankfully blew me away. I mean, the the music is fantastic, and I could really hear uh, symphony acts and things along those lines. And how long has Divine Martyr been around? Uh, we started, we were, we actually started, I think, in 2016 would be the official year, but the the first year that we mainly did anything besides put the band together would be about 2017. Because uh, it was a building year, kind of a trial experimental period in 2016 through 2017. Um, and that's when we built the lineup in, went into the studio, did some of our original, uh, first original stuff. Our, our, we had a, a EP on the uh, on the original lineup called Trials, and we've which we've kind of uh, put in the archive, and then we've moved forward from there. So. And how is the uh, – I, I know – busy. I was touring schedule earlier, and you, you guys play everywhere. Um, any favorite areas to play in? Yeah, we uh, areas. I mean, we're we're based here in the Indianapolis metro area here in the Midwest. But one of our members, okay. lead vocalist, is actually is actually based in Dayton, Ohio. So we have two metros that we're out of. Um, so we get together and we rehearse. But we love. Uh, we honestly. We we we've played a very great we've played great shows down in the Louisville area. We've got a good response down there. Um, we've we played a, a great show with great response. Actually, in the in the middle of uh, kind of the foothills of the Appalachians um, in south, southeastern Ohio, um, about an hour outside of Columbus, Ohio. Um, had a great great shows there, and uh, we've we've definitely played some uh, amazing shows in Illinois, and uh, as well as uh, the Indy Central Indiana area. Uh, favorite areas? Uh, we're actually it, anywhere, honestly. We, I think the ones that really come to mind are, are the ones we just played in in Ohio. Uh, it was for Broken Bottle Festival. So nice. So uh, as far as being the drummer is concerned, who did you listen to growing up? Who were your influences? <laughs> this this keeps changing, and, it, and it's and it's and it's a good thing because I, I listen to everybody I could get my ears on. Because um, I, I don't know if you remember, like um, I'm not going to give away you know what year I was born, but uh, we were in the age where we had to go to Blockbuster Video and get two VCRs. Oh yeah, and and that's how we had to learn drum parts. You know, um, if we didn't have sheet music, or because at the time I didn't have a really good stereo system either. So I'm really trying to make out what the drummers are doing. And so at the time, I was just listening to what's on the radio, and then I, I was introduced to a, a, a band uh, just north of the United States uh, from uh, Canada um, by the name of Rush. Um, so <laughs> I immediately became a Neil, a Neil fan um, because prior to that, it was like I was listening to, I think it was the Beach Boys, uh, oh. and then went over, yeah, I started with the Beach Boys and then went over to Billy Joel. Uh, and listened to Mr. Piano Man himself, and then went to uh, got to some of the heavier music. I heard Van Halen, and then heard Green Day, um, uh, and then started branching out the horizons, and started hearing Rush. And then Rush got me uh, influenced um, to where I wanted to keep going that direction. And then uh, as I got okay. to uni, um, 
got to uni, I ended up uh, listening to uh, Mike Portnoy of uh, Dream Theater, and that opened the door oh, because yeah. that was the age also YouTube came out. I finally got a chance to listen to, I think it was anything I could get my ears on. So I was a huge Symphony X fan. That opened the door for all the European power metal bands like Stradivarius and Blind, uh, Blind Guardian and Sabaton and uh, who else I was listening to? Uh, Within Temptation, Nightwish, and, and a lot of the other, other bands out there. So and uh, so from there, I, I find a new drummer yearly that I'm listening to. There's just so many great drummers out there. <laughs> now, do you do you have any? Uh, do you listen to any like the speed drum? Like to me, it, bl- it blows my mind, especially in metal, the metal circles. Mm-hmm. As far as the, it seems, the harder the band is, the faster the drummer plays. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, like. <laughs> It blows. I mean, I'm not a drummer, but I, I can only imagine the skill to just keep that time and to keep that tempo oh, yeah. up. Uh, any speed drummers that you like? Uh, I've ever almost everybody talks George Goliath um, from uh, Nile, um, amazing drummer. Uh, he's routinely playing at 240, 250 BPM. Um, I've I've heard uh, I've heard some of the other like some of the other guys. Not it's I don't usually listen to drummers that fast, but that's about as fast as I get, and they're faster out there. Gotcha. But, yeah, and it's, but it's like, yeah, I'll be, like, stuff I'll play maybe goes to about 200, 210 and BPM, and I don't go much faster than that. And these guys who are in the 300 or 300 range, like, uh, trying to think Tim Watterson or, or some of the other guys just blow me, you know, blow me out of the water. <laughs> just on, 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 now on let me ask endurance single, and speed. <laughs> single bass or double bass? Uh, single bass with a double kick pedal. So, um, gotcha. and I, I, I do that only for one reason. And that's, uh, as, at least where we've been touring, typically they only have one kick mic. So if you're a double kick drummer, next thing you know, they put a vocal mic on the other bass drum. So, um, and they, and they do their best to mix it. So. Man. Now, as far as writing within divine martyr, um, who is it a collective thing as far as the writing is concerned, or do certain people handle certain aspects of the writing? Well, surprisingly enough, I actually do a lot of the writing um, because I come from I came from a background in uni. I uh, I took uh, orchestration um, and a lot of composition orchestration. So I'll, how it usually works is I'll actually write out some ideas. We'll have thirty, forty ideas written out, and I'll just. Uh, basically bounce it off the guys and what resonates. You'll, you'll, I'll send it to Jason, our guitarist, and he'll listen. And uh, if he if he likes it, he'll start like writing a part to it that really catches his ear, and then we'll trade back and forth. So that's kind of how it starts. But then it, it, we tra- it trades around the band, and then it grows as a. I'll just kind of do a kind of like I'd say almost like cartoon level or video game level writing. And gotcha. and just with just with some sample drum ideas or something, and then Jason will come in and absolutely just fill it up with with some pretty thick layered guitar parts, and we'll be like, good, that's a great idea. Or and then we'll uh, we'll listen for the hook, or we'll listen for um, you know how the flow of the direction you know should go, and we'll go from there. And then usually then there'll be some input from Olivia on vocals, and she'll start putting her parts in. And then you know, and then Woody's in there putting his bass parts in, and and yeah, then we have a finished product. <laughs> so you guys have released a bunch of singles. Um, mm-hmm. I yet to yet to do a full album. Any thoughts on or any ideas of putting together a fourth uh, a new album and putting that out there? We are actually. Uh, I'm going to say most. I'm going to say 60% of the way, 70% of the way on drum parts, anyways, uh, of a full album. So we're in progress. Nice. I just, I just finished uh, tracking five songs on drums um, a few few weeks ago. Uh, we have three or four also on the pipeline, and I. It looks like we may add another couple of short songs, but predominantly the drum parts are done. So, uh, awesome. so we're we're in progress. Yeah, we're in progress on our first full EP. So. Or not even be a full length, yeah, yeah. As far as um, as far as being on that Christian circuit, has there any? Have you guys faced any kind of scrutiny as far as well? I, it could be from both sides. I see it constantly, as far mm-hmm. as either from uh, p- 
people that are against your music because you're you're a heavy Christian band or that are uh, kind of have you faced any of that as far as bookings as far as uh, people listening to your music anything along those lines definitely <laughs> yeah since we've started we we've had that we've had that I mean the the obvious answer is yes so um, there was a there, we played a, a festival in Indiana. And we didn't mark. We just said we were a symphonic power metal band, for instance. And so the the now the promotion was, I think it was a blatantly black metal or maybe blatantly like Luciferian metal band that was headlining the festival. And they had no idea we were a Christian band, but that's kind of where we want to be because honestly, we would we just want to give a message of encouragement to people, um, regardless Not of sure. where we're at. And they had no yeah. idea we were a Christian band, and they were like, and they were very worried and then they said well you guys are heavy as anything i'm I'm like oh it fit in pretty well and and so there's been that uh there's been we've been turned down for being a christian band going to a secular crowd um we've been thankfully like not heckled or anything when we played at secular events but then we'll also the other side the other side the flip side is you know is we don't really get time of day from the churches at all um there will be a few that reach out and we're, we're more than happy to help them um, uh, like for the, for example, I don't want to throw like some, some people I know under the bus, but like until we released a symphonic metal version of Carrie Job's single, um, we didn't get airplay at like half the churches we were affiliated with, <laughs> like, or no, I don't say airplay, but they didn't even play us like after a service or, or even acknowledge us. So, um, that happens too. So, I mean, we, we've had it from the, from both sides. It's a wild thing, too, because, I mean, it's a little bit different than when I was younger. And, I mean, you guys have people like Skillet or uh, Beartooth Mm -hmm. or other heavier – there are heavier bands that are out there that are Christian now. Uh, A lot more – I mean, when I was growing up, it was Striper, and that was about it. And Mm -hmm. um, it it seems like there should be more inclusivity as far as that's concerned. And – any uh, any signs of like I know that there's a Christian music festival that tours. Um, mm-hmm. I been to one, but my sons went to one, and I just remember like big, bigger Christian artists playing it. I'm, but I don't know how heavy they get. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, think about bands like in, Thousand we... Foot Crutch. Oh yeah. Yeah, because there there are some groups we are talking to. Uh, that's that's all I know from this point out. So nothing's been booked or anything. But yeah, we, it's right. one of those. It, now, if there was, it, if you wanted our tag, I'd be like, I would say absolutely, get us on the bill. If it, we'd be happy to play the parking lot. Honestly, if people are coming in, you know, it's because <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a good time. It's in the summer, you know. It's like we'll, we'll play it, you know. Yeah, but it's uh, right. you know, getting getting in with those guys, and then also hey, there's. There's the camaraderie. I'd love to just hang out with those guys and just have a cup of coffee, you know. Uh, you know, the uh, so like the guys who have done it for for years, and it's like, yeah, what's your story, you know? And there's that aspect. Now the one thing, really love the one thing with drummers, at least in my area, and I'm pretty sure this is a universal thing, is drummers seem to be spread thin and play for about 25 other bands. Do you? <laughs> Do you play with anything anybody else outside the Divine Martyr? Do you have any other? Uh, uh, it's, it's funny. It's funny. You, yeah, it's funny you say that because I'm actually filling in for a uh, secular band uh, this weekend. Um, you know, a drummer went on medical leave, and so I'm grabbing two shows for them until they uh, either regroup or whatever their plan is afterwards. Um, and I'm happy to help them out. And it's uh, uh, yeah, we're playing a show in Northern Indiana, and then I'm playing a show in Central Indiana with them. Uh, this coming week, or this weekend, and then next week, um, you know, and then there's a band I used to tour in that we had a show this this uh, year as well as a reunion show. But um, honestly, like I'll do fill-in shows, but like as far as touring, no, I'm I'm only uh, I'm only wanting to tour with one band and be fully <laughs> fully dedicated to one band. Gotcha. I've 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 been that I've been there, and I know drummers who do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen it for. Some- the rhythm section between the bass player and the drummer and mm-hmm. uh, I 
I have friends that play both and see how many bands that they're in, and it blows my mind sometimes. Now, as far as outside of Divine Martyr, um, if you don't mind me asking, what do you do as uh, is Divine Martyr? You're not like your number one, or do you do something for a day job outside of it? Yeah, I, I work for. I, I, I'm not at liberty to talk too much about it, but I, I work for an amazing tool company. I'll say uh, oh. that specializes in specializes in power tools um, in the area of quality. So, so oh, yeah, it's awesome. like um, yeah. Outside of outside of music, my sec, second degree at uni was uh, basically an electronics discipline, um, and I've worked in quality for years since then. And I'm a big stats guy, so I'm also. Uh, ask the guys in the band, and I'll send. I'll I'll apply some stats metrics to our, you know, basically to to our following, for instance, or I'll apply it to quality or any other any other field. Because I'm a big numbers guy, so. so. Gotcha. It, it's terrible that we live in an, a time where you can't dedicate your full time to the craft. Even big name artists have to have that side hustle, and it's yep. it, it's a terrible time uh, I was just talking to a gentleman before you that we were talking about um, needing to pay the bills and needing to get things done and uh, mm -hmm. do you have a family life or are you single or what, what's it like at home for you? I'm happily married. We don't have any children. Um, we actually can't have children, and I have I have no problem just being blunt about that. But it's like, yeah, I have a wonderful wife at the house. Um, you know, we live in the middle of a small house in the middle of the forest in rural Indiana, um, which you know is a is I'm going to say it'll, it'll be by design because if I'm out there really practicing for a part, I'm not bugging any neighbors um, because we're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so in the the back bedroom is a practice room, for instance, and in gotcha. studio. But it's like, but yeah, it's a you know yeah we live you know I have a nice married life, and my wife actually she's very supportive. She uh, even uh, at most Divine Martyr shows she's actually teching the show of all things. So she'll be oh, wow. uh, she'll, she'll be doing drum tech work because <laughs> I trained her how to how to set up. And and I don't know if she likes doing it, but she's incredibly supportive. And it's one of those you you, you make the you make the uh, you have to say it. It's like I don't deserve her. That's that is, I found the perfect woman. You know, <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, is there anything that like you have to? Because believe me, as far as me doing the podcast and me being involved in music the way that I am, that there's things that I have to give up like time I have to give up to dedicate to obviously the things that my wife wants. Do you find yourself mm -hmm. giving up anything, anytime? Like there, there, it's gotta be an equal footing. It is. Yeah, it is. Like for instance, typically <clears throat> we rope off like a, a couple days a week, like a, you know, you have, for instance, a Friday night, Friday night's a date night. Now it usually is spent going to a restaurant and, you know, not much more than that, but it's like, you know, it's a time, that's the time we've roped off to spend together. You know, unless we're playing a show that night, you know, or something. But yeah, if uh, you know, but like back home at the house, it's like it's a, it's a date night. I, I owe it to owe it to my wife for uh, you know, obviously spending time with her. And then we have our evenings typically fairly free. Um, you know, and it's it's one of those we just rope off time uh, together. And we, so. Now yeah. let me ask you, uh, Mark. I'm getting ready to play Truth from you guys. Uh, the yeah. track was sent over to me earlier. Uh, could you, do you remember writing it? Uh, tell us any kind of input to it. Yeah, this, uh, we were ex experimenting, like, uh, as far as writing goes, um, the, like, the instrument parts and so forth, we, we had this, this hook intro, which you'll hear right on the downbeat, um, inspired by, like, different, different, I think it was even, like, a Rush influence on, on this song. You can kind of hear it on there. But it was uh, it wasn't really written in a standard song format. It started that way, but then we almost went to a modified rondo um, on form, and it, we didn't do that for the sake of of writing in that in that form style or anything like that. But uh, we wrote it because it it seemed to work for the flow and the direction, and uh, we wanted to have contrasting sections. You, know, you can hear kind of the Nightwish influence where. You've got a rock sense, rock, rock section, and then you've got a really incredibly, we're gonna say, dark, bombastic, different, more of a darker tone coming through. And then lyrically, it worked really well. Um, Olivia, when she wrote the lyrics on this, 
um, she was writing about personal experience and trauma and realized it was one of those stories and she could go, she could tell this better than I can, obviously, but, uh, she would, uh, it would be something like, um, one of those, it's one of those accounts of, wow, I shouldn't have lived through this or I shouldn't be alive right now. And how, why was I alive through this? And it's a kind of a topic of, wow, I, I really, you know, got, got a, I'm going to say a blessing, but I got, you know, I shouldn't be alive right now and I am. So it makes me really ponder and think and be grateful. So. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking a little time out of your weeknight to hang with us, man. And uh, we're going to go ahead and listen to the truth. Thank you so much, man. Have a great rest of your week. Hey, you too. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
out of Indiana, that was Divine Martyr, guys. Really appreciative for uh, for them being on the show this evening, guys. Want to say a big thank you to everyone that tuned in tonight for our first night back on VOC Nation, looking above and beyond what's going to happen. Uh, really excited with some great guests coming up next week. We're going to be joined by two different authors. Uh, did two different things during uh, the 80s, early 90s, that time period. We're going to be bringing back the galaxy, uh, Bonnie's Rocks, those kind of things. Guys, excited to talk all about that next week. Also, uh, December 9th is the Rock and Roll Union Christmas Party. If you cannot be there, uh, we, we announced the lineup. Really excited for the lineup, guys. Uh, if you can make it, would love to see you there in person. Uh, as we are going to be kicking ass with Star, uh, with Dreadstar, The Wrong Band, Psychedelic Elders, Pistol Razor, and Chuck Thomas and the Bad MFers. I don't know what happened to Chuck this evening. We're going to try and get him back on board for next week. Um, but, yeah, if you cannot make the show and would still like to donate to the toy drive that we're doing, something really cool, Santa's sleigh is going to be out and about with Santa in tow. So if you want to donate any unwrapped brand for, uh, it goes to Salem County Division of Family Services. It's going to be a great, uh, great event. We just want to donate as much as we can, give back as much as we can. I can basically see that building from my house. That's how close they are to me. So that's why I choose to give back to them. But Santa will be in tow. So if anybody wants to donate stuff, Santa's more than happy to take pictures with the family, with kids, with pets with whatever the case might be and uh we'll be out the, we'll be out picking up toys uh we're asking that all any unwrapped gift toys that are donated uh to the event uh looks like I'm looking on the calendar here folks it looks like what we're going to aim for is Saturday, December 16th, to get out those toys to for Santa's sleigh to be in tow. So two weeks, a little roughly about two weeks before Christmas, we're going to have Santa out with his sleigh. So if you want to join us, guys, please do so. Message, message me on Facebook, and we will have that working for you. Also, last little bit of uh, info, last little bit of news is – each show, we are going to be featuring a different song, a different artist, a song of the week. This week, song came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, the video just dropped last week. Really excited for it. It is from a kick-ass band, a kick-ass woman that really, really knows how to do her thing, man. They did the video at Sweeney's Philly special, and... Uh, Really excited. So, guys, this is the the last bit of the show. Until next time, keep rock alive. Here is Nitro Nitro, our featured song of the week with Rock Revolution. Have a good week, everybody. Get ready for the rock revolution.
Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. VOC Nation's own Stro Maestro suffered a major medical and financial catastrophe this year. From the VOC Nation family, to all of you, please continue to pray for Stro Maestro for his continued recovery. You can also donate to his cause, paypal.me slash the worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kazzy Fist, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests. Like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an early champion. Yeah. Here are exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. Here's the after, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it was uh, uh, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it the law. Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, wanted to the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation radio network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 